Mate, where are my keys? I don't know. Where have you left them? Well, they're in the garage. The taxi's ready to go, but the shutters are down. Huh, there's no one over there. No, it's all locked up. You're all having baths in the middle of the day, apparently. Uh, my day off. I can bathe whenever I want. What's that smell? Oh, that is a patch of lime vanilla bath bomb. Game changer, mate. Whatever, look, I'm losing money here. Come on. Fine, I'll go and get your keys. Right. Welcome to episode 116 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catch-Up podcast that can think of on the almost exhaustive list of reasons for not wearing Sinead's old tatty cardigan I'm Gavin. And I'm not ready for the school year. No. No. <laughs> when does it start? Is it next even, week? Even though it will be remote. Uh, the 31st is the first next day. Week. Is the first day of school. So we have pickup for materials for Benny on Monday. And I'm not sure when pickup for materials for Stella is. I have the email. I just haven't opened it yet for middle school open house. And I don't know what the deal is with soccer, if there's going to be... Yeah, they're practicing, apparently. Tryouts and everything, because, yeah, I saw them practicing yesterday. I haven't heard anything. And we haven't heard anything from his other... The castle group. We're talking about this now, because... <laughs> I just, it's its the biggest thing on my mind right now. Let, let, let's catch up offline. Okay. Because I, I, I get emails. <clears throat> Do you? From Coach Decker, yeah. Oh, because the last time I asked you, you said you hadn't heard anything. I have since heard. Ah. That was Ooh. practice. That's, that's not me filling you in. Intriguing. And, 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 and still we're talking about it. How are you? <laughs> Overall, yeah. I mean, I... I'm still feeling overwhelmed, but I'm not feeling quite as overwhelmed as I was last week at this time, if that makes any sense. We've been back to and from Indianapolis since the last time we spoke. Absolutely. That was a well, nice break. We, we've spoken since then. Yes. On occasion. It was a nice break. Going down to Indianapolis, visiting Benjamin Harrison and John Dillinger and John Whitcomb Riley's graves, all in the same cemetery. Mm -hmm. A poet, a mobster. And a president. And a president. But not in that order. <laughs> then we sat in a beer garden and had some some lovely beers. And then watched nice and an awful lot of Scooby-Doo Mystery, Mystery Incorporated. Incorporated. Yeah, we pretty much binged the whole season, the whole uh, series of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. <laughs> I couldn't work out. On a big, you, massive TV. Yeah, it was a 72-inch TV on a 76-inch wall. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to work the remote control, even though it's the same remote for, it's mm -hmm. for our second monitor over there. Right. So I could only find Netflix, and it was kids' Netflix, and Scooby-Doo Mr. Incorporated was the first thing that came up, so I just threw it on just for something to throw on and get some background noise, and then became utterly consumed by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's, really good. It's good. It's good. I love all the Easter eggs Yep. Uh, within the series and everything. I like how... It's it's really calling back to old school Scooby Doo. Yeah, I think it's one of the best uh, iterations of Scooby Doo there's ever been. Yeah, you you attempted to watch what's new Scooby Doo. Yeah, last no, night. No, I wasn't buying it. Wasn't buying it. No, it, 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 
wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Right. I don't have great memories of it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a pup named Scooby-Doo, which I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Yeah. <clears throat> you didn't... We watched the uh, Scoob movie. I wasn't too keen on that. Yeah. Because you, you weren't keen on, you know, some of the other characters from other Hanna-Barbera cartoons popping in. And yet... Many of those characters pop in in Mystery Incorporated, and you loved it. But they didn't take it over. I felt like Scooby-Doo was getting... People were pissing these chips. You felt like Captain Caveman was pissing on Scooby-Doo's chips yeah, in the well, movie Scoob. I'm, well, it's not called Captain Caveman, exclamation mark. It's called Scoob. <laughs> I want to see Scooby-Doo. I don't want to see Captain Caveman. I'll accept a brief appearance from Captain Caveman, but he was in it for far too long. Far too long. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was like the X-Files, but for kids, because it was an overarching story. Right. That would crop up every now and again. So it would kind of have like a smoking man thread right. kind of thing. How do you feel about Scooby possibly being an alien? No, I don't I don't, I don't subscribe to that. Or, or, or being the, the, the prodigy of alien ancestors. That's a great day in his luck. Right. But he's also a talking dog, and the whole thing about talking animals, as opposed to non-talking animals, being descendants of this alien species. Why are you trying to ruin Scooby-Doo for me? (laughs) How do you feel about the possibility of Velma and hot dog water being an item? I couldn't care less. (laughs) That's fine. Whatever. (laughs) But only in that alternate timeline at the end. Because it's only in that alternate timeline that hot dog water says, that's my girl. So it's it's not our Velma, it's the alternate timeline Velma. It got a little messy towards the end. Yeah. That's season two. We're spoiling season two of <laughs> Scooby-Doo Mr. Incorporated. <laughs> a couple hundred people here. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners have already watched it. You think so? Yeah. Or uh, That's about ten or, years old after all. Or I've heard about it because, you know, it was only this year that the creator... You know, said in an interview that Velma was a lesbian. See, this all is, smacks very much of J.K. Rowling saying that Dumbledore's right. Being just, yeah. Oh, we haven't had Harry Potter in the news for a while. I better come up with something controversial. Right. It's like seven years on. It's it's queer baiting. That's what it is, and it's insulting. Mm. And I said that when when he did this interview and everything, and then got to talk to my friends about Scooby Doo being an alien and stuff. I was always more of a fan of Velma than Daphne. Yeah, I, I identify with Velma. I'm very much a Velma person. You can I look a wee bit like Velma. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Never come to think of it. Not, not at the moment because my hair is significantly longer because I haven't had a haircut since January. I need to get you a orange polo neck. <laughs> a, little, a little maroon skirt, mm-hmm. a little pleated maroon skirt. And anyway. Orange, orange knee-high socks. I think we better move on. <laughs> Get this shit done. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that Rory Roos. <laughs> have I done that before? I think I've yes, done that have. before. you have. It was worth a reprise. <laughs> I think it was when we watched Scoob. Yeah. Yeah. Clash of the Quarry Titans? There appeared to be some tension between Sally Ann Matthews and Simon Gregson's wife, Emma, when Sally responded to a fan's request for a signed photo by indicating photos and video messages 
should always be free. Emma responded publicly with a sarcastic tweet about sticking with one's work colleagues, seemingly stung as Simon is a member of the platform Cameo, which charges £30 per video message. Yeah. Ox. We've kind of spoken about this in the past a little bit. We did when he joined, and uh, <coughs> there's a couple of other members of the of the cast. Uh, honestly, it, it seems... And, and apparently in tweets that have since been deleted... Emma went on further to indicate that the majority of the money goes to charities. It doesn't go to them, blah, 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 blah. But it just seemed like, well, as we know, tensions, people, people are getting offended very quickly and very easily by things because everybody is so very high strung and anxious because of the pandemic that's going on. So I don't honestly think Sally Ann Matthews was intentionally trying to slag off any particular person necessarily she was just responding to a fan saying yes you write us here and i will send you a free autographed picture of myself i can go either way on this i think really yeah uh, it's not a lot of money 30 30 Th- pounds 30 quid. it seems like a it's not charging like a hundred right <clears throat> it just seems like a strange side hustle to have Eh, it's it's like it it actually makes sense, especially now that uh, conventions and and stuff, which is where celebrities typically do meet and greets and take selfies and stuff for money, which is a decent side hustle if you can get it, are no longer a thing mm-hmm. for the time being. You know, we are devoid of a comic con this year, sadly. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you really need more money? Do I need more money? No, not you. Yes, please. I guess, and I guess that's, that's true because lots of people would say we don't need more money looking from the outside in. So we don't, we don't know. I mean, he did go a short time without, without work. Although Corey actors, the main cast was still getting paid. During the lockdown, I don't know. I don't know. Ours is not. Ours is not to reason why, and, isn't it? And and throw mud. And I was like, we have been throwing mud. I just. I don't know. It can go. You're right. It can go either way. It's either kind of a sleazy thing to do, or, or not. You know, it's somebody wants to do it for free, and somebody wants to get paid for it. That's fine, you know, and I don't think it's necessarily by saying yes, I will do this for free. I don't think it's intentionally throwing your work colleagues under the bus. Uh, is my I, point. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so either. Yeah, it all boils down to the fact if someone's willing to pay thirty quid, mm-hmm. somebody's willing to pay thirty quid, then yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fill your boots. I is that I, it? I paid more than thirty quid for that uh, autograph and and picture with Patrick Warburton. At the last Comic-Con I went to. I don't want to know how much you spent on that, because that would probably make me angry. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations and well wishes to our Maria, Sammy Along Chairman, and husband, Sylvian. Sylvain? Sylvain. It's like a Sylvain. Sylvain. Spilled Sylvain. I don't know. He's an ice skater. Yes. 
Long Chairman, who celebrated their fourth anniversary this week. Muzzle tough. No comment? Yeah, they met on the on the they met during dancing mm-hmm. yeah. with the ice stars or whatever it's called. I yeah. think it's called dancing on ice. Dancing on ice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Finally, condolence and well wishes to former Corey actor Catherine Kelly, who played Becky McDonald on the show. She's announced that she and husband Ryan Clark will be ending their seven year marriage. The divorce is described as amicable. And that's Corey News. It's actually kind of quite shocking that there aren't more divorce announcements during during all of this. Because, especially during lockdown, for some people it seemed quite hard to be spending that much time with their, with their spouse. I don't have a problem with it, but lots of people do. Quiet week on Corey News. Quiet. <laughs> Freaking quiet week on Corey News. You know, most of the stuff I was coming, you know, I was being shown was just spoiler stuff and why does it seem like shona has fully recovered and you know what's with this what's with this time jump it's really confusing which i kind of agree with so thin on the ground with our mailbag <clears throat> i remember to include john this thing yay <laughs> John wanted to say, if you haven't watched the quiz show Tipping Point, then the Ben Shepherd malarkey loses impact. It's a standing joke with viewers that Ben, who gives the winning contestant a hug, visibly wills the customary attractive young female to make it to the end so he can get his arms round her. Which sounds a bit creepy, actually. Yeah. Even better if she wins the 10,000 jackpot, and then it's a full-on hug and a lift also from Ben. Mm. <laughs> well, Helen said Tipping Point. Oh, sorry, when Helen said tipping point when talking about Sally and Tim, I thought she was foreshadowing for the Ben Shepherd scene. We've mm-hmm. seen tipping point. Yeah, we've seen tipping point. We're we're aware of we're aware of his work. <laughs> his oeuvre. It it reminds me of a uh, a Bob Barker on the The Price is Right. He would always kiss the the female contestants on the cheek, and at the time it seemed endearing, but in hindsight, it seems quite creepy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, our local plays game show network during the day, mm-hmm. which is always quite fun to watch when it's like seventies and eighties game shows when everyone that's on screen is dead. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> is now dead. Yes. Their version or their version or our version? Our version. You live here now. You're ours. Of blankety blank, called the match game. Oh yeah, match game. The guy that's in the middle in the bottom row. Uh huh. He always gets a kiss from the ladies. Uh-huh. And yeah. Pat is like, come on, bring it. Yep. Yeah. And you watch going, mm. Yeah. <laughs> a mm. little on this creepy side, but mm-hmm. everyone seems happy about it. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. At the time. The thing I liked about Tipping Point was Ben Shepard would always, always ask what somebody's tactic was mm-hmm. for dropping a big coin to push other coins. Well, I guess my tactic mostly is for this coin to push other coins. Hopefully one of those coins will fall. That's my tactic, Ben. <laughs> pretty much sticking to it. And Jimmy wrote in, happy birthday, Gavin. Hope you two had a great time in India. We did. As we, we did. As we discussed. 
Then Annie sent in a photograph of themselves and a Timbot 4000 says, This does not compute shirt. In a scene complete with a Paddington bear, a green dinosaur, a question mark in a frying pan, and with Annie wearing a horse's head. Indeed, it did not compute. You can check it out on our socials from Wednesday. That was a great picture. That it was a great picture. <laughs> and you can buy one of those t-shirts yourselves at... Well, I've put up, because the, the URL is just so awful. Yeah. I've put a... A sidebar widget on our blog. So if you go to the talk of the street podcast.wordpress.com. Which nobody does. Which nobody does. <laughs> Down the side there's a link to the merch store at Teespring. We should put it on our profile on Twitter as well. Can we can we do that? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. That's that's how most people communicate with us is via the Twitter. Yeah. Certainly not through that blog. No. I haven't updated that in months. No. I might not have done it this year, actually. Uh, no, you haven't. <clears throat> Which is not not a criticism. Well, nobody came us from it anyway. Yeah. So, anyway. Meh. And now this. Welcome to last year tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about multi-story grave. I Any don't ideas? remember that. This was a sad one, actually. This was uh, Emma on the phone to her mum. Oh yeah. Wonder- saying that if she was going to be buried in like a family plot, like in one of those multi-story graves, mm-hmm. she wouldn't want to be buried with her family because all they've done, all they are, are liars. <gasps> She's so upset. She was I, upset. I don't like, don't like him being upset. No. Uh, I was Gavin, and you were the kids are back. Ah. Summer was dead. Yes. Summer's kind of dead now. Summer was summer. never alive. Summer was never alive this year. It's been a quick. It's been a weird summer. Quick eight weeks. Kid free. Yeah. Uh, Typically in the summertime, I do lots of stuff. You know, I rearrange things, I move things, I hang things up that have been accumulating on the walls and stuff. I haven't done much, I haven't done an awful lot of that this year. I did it kind of this weekend when I got those shelves and that cabinet for downstairs. And I got that rug, which was a hit. We love that rug. A veritable hit. Yes. We didn't talk about our trip to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but we were still doing our tangent of the week. Oh. We said tangent of the week. We still do go on tangents. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. We should still do that. We're not quite the laser-focused <laughs> podcast that we aim to be. I don't think any podcast is. Come on. <laughs> if seeing Emma upset last week was heartbreaking, Yasmin upset gives that emotion a very strong run for its money as Tim's dad's gaslighting goes to horrendous new levels. Daniel hasn't really been all that unbearable recently, but he kind of makes up for it when he spills gazpacho soup into the lap of one of Nathan's buddies and indirectly gifts Craig the temporary power of flight. (laughs) Got hit by a reversing car. Emma's not dad's funeral is this week, and Steve is determined to find out the truth while avoiding Tracy and her preening scissors and (laughs) bloodlust. The truth of the Bailey's arrival on the street finally comes to light, and we only have to endure a little bit of Gemma's pee to get there. Eileen's back on the switch, where she can at least earn some money while being grumpy. Max goes mental and beats Nick with a plastic cricket bat. 
Our moment of the week was Ed making his grand confession to Aggie. And our boring moment of the week was Bethany and Daniel talking about her becoming a tour guide. That cricket bat scene was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> and that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street at this time last year. Delightful. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this morning is the Ginger Gangster. On Monday, Kirk finally turns up at Maria's because he went missing last week for yeah. some reason. While she sprays half of the Amazon rainforest and hydrocarbons into her hair, he reveals why he's late. Gary has gone AWOL. <gasps> oh no! Because he's at Sarah's. They both insist that nothing's going on to David, who had just walked in and said ox. Right. He doesn't believe it and wants to phone Maria to tell her it's off. Later, Gary heads back to the flat with David in tow, and David asks what this is all about. How can they go through? How can they go through with this? What's going on? Gary admits to still loving Sarah, as David never had feelings for two people at once, and there's still a connection between them. David seems to agree, and Gary insists his future, though, is definitely with Maria. At the bistro, Emma is panicking people by setting off bangers. Maria is, fr- <laughs> Maria is frantic that there's still no sign of Gary, and maybe they should have put this back to a time when everyone could attend, like, right. like Jake and Liam, who are nowhere to be seen. Right, yes, no children allowed. She sprays her hair some more, and then Gary shows up apologising for being late, and Kirk says something inappropriate. Weird Shona turns up at number eight, loaded with goss, thinking Gary has run off, offering advice to Sarah. Sarah says that she cares about Gary. He's under her skin, but she doesn't want anything more to do for them. Shona tells her not to uh, throw her life away for someone who's already getting married to someone else. Adam is the fitter of the two anyway, and she wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crisps. Yes. And people... This... And I kind of agree with people who are like, what the hell? Isn't Shona supposed to be uh, brain damaged and stuff? And this seems an awful lot like the old Shona. And it seems like she and David are getting on really good terms and everything. And I kind of agree with that. She is pretty blunt and stuff. I don't think old Shona would necessarily say that she, she, she'd like to go to bed with Sarah's husband. Necessarily. Um, even jokingly. Um... But I think this is this is part of the problem with this whole time jump thing, is that it makes things really confusing. What time jump? There's a there's a time jump. We are we are back to being in regular now time. They've 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 le- regular now time. Regular now. They've jumped over the the majority of the lockdown. We kind of saw like the beginning of the lockdown, and now everybody's out of lockdown because they couldn't really have. They couldn't really do a show with people stuck in their houses, necessarily. So there's there's been a time jump. We are back to, you know, how before... <laughs> no, no, it's nothing. Before, the show was, was a little bit behind the times because they couldn't film mm-hmm. and stuff. And then they started filming again, and it was still kind of following that kind of delayed timeline well they've done they've done a jump in time which you can tell by people saying you know now that lockdown is over and we're out of lockdown now and stuff but it hasn't been made really clear that this has happened and it's confusing for for a number of storylines this isn't the only storyline this week where people are kind of like what what the hell is going on this doesn't Compute. No. <laughs> so, 
But what what did you think? How how did you feel about Shona just, you know, waltzing in, shaking her ponytail and saying, "Hey, David just texted me that you're an all, you know, that you and Adam are on the outs and it's all Gary's fault." Which when did David have time to text her all of this? And doesn't it seem like their relationship is a little too cozy and she seems significantly less brain damaged all of a sudden? Yeah, I guess. The whole time jump thing just went completely over my head. <laughs> there's, there's large chunks of this week. <coughs> I think I was just purely on autopilot. I, mm-hmm. I remember very little about what I watched. Reading these notes is like kind of watching it again for the first time. Huh. I just, it was just, it was this week because we were a day out. Because mm-hmm. we got back from Indianapolis on Monday so mm-hmm. I was kind of always playing catch up right and I feel being playing catch up with other stuff that we've been doing stuff that we did, had done earlier in the week I didn't get done until midweek mm-hmm. so this week it felt very much like just get through it mm-hmm. so it was kind of just autopilot kind of thing I remember the show in a bit though and I remember thinking well she seems to be She's taking a wee turn for the better. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I disliked her so much as evil, rude Shona. Not mm-hmm. evil Shona, Not but evil. you know what I mean. I'm just quite glad to see the back of that. Uh-huh. So maybe more forgiven. But mm-hmm. anyway. So then Adam is outside when Sarah calls him on his mobile. He's not sure what they have left to talk about. At the wedding... Paschal Bell, Canon in D major, is playing. Maria tells Gary she was shitting herself when he was late. Which what was gets... playing again? Paschal Bell, Canon in D. You say Pasha Bell. Uh-huh. How'd yeah. you say it? Pacabell. Pacabell. Doesn't look like Pacabell when you write it down. Yeah, that's that's how I've always... It's, this must be like Van Gogh and Van Gogh. Maybe. Yeah. Pacabell's easier to say, but it looks like it's missing at least four letters. Hmm. And uh, Maria tells Gary she was shitting herself when he was late, which gets everyone right in the mood for a bloody good wedding. <laughs> it seems Emma and Kirk and David are the only other people there. Despite the, his concerns... And the minister, who's not Billy? No. Right. Adam, that lady again. Adam is... Oh, yes. Is she a humanitist? Humanitist? Is that what? Humanist? Humanist. Minister. No, because she mentions God. Does she? Again. I think. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Despite his concerns, Adam is with Sarah at number eight. He's been staying at their wedding home, which irks her. He reminds her that she's more loyal to Gary than her husband. He's a murderer. He at the moment says Sarah, all she cares about is her and Adam. He asks if he knows everything now, and she insists that he does. Take me back, she pleads. At the wedding, vows are being exchanged, blah, 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 and they are now legally husband and wife. Shows your rings, says David, and Marie and Gary do just that. Yes, they turn around, pull down their pants, <laughs> and spread those cheeks. Oof. <laughs> number, oof. <laughs> but not like that. The wedding would have taken a, very much taken a turn for the worst if that had happened. At number eight, Adam wants to draw a line under it. And that needs to be uh, her going to the police, otherwise they can't move on. 
uh, say that she was threatened by him to do it, but she's still reluctant to throw Gary under the bus. She'll be up to her neck in it, and that does it for Adam. He thinks that she's still picking Gary over him and refuses to be second best to that scumbag. This marriage is over. Ugh. I am I am not team Adam on this. You're not? No. <gasps> I'm I'm not I th- I think I, I I think he's 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 not stopping to think there must be a good reason for he, it seems like his ego and his his macho-ness is kind of getting in the way of 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 his love for Sarah, you know? Like this is Gary besting us again. This is Gary winning. So I'm mad that Gary is winning, not I'm mad that Sarah is, you know, seemingly. It's more it's more about Gary winning than than Sarah, I think. And I'm I don't think you should throw your marriage away just because it, th- it seems like the other dude is quote unquote winning when your wife is insisting she loves you. She wants to be with you. She doesn't want to be with the other guy. You know, it's more about Gary than about their relationship. I think it's more about dead Rick the Chin. And I think Adam does want justice. Ah. And I think... Kind of, but I don't think he really... Honestly, I don't think he really cares that much about Rick the Chin. He just cares that Gary's getting away with it. I think it's more about Gary than it is about Rick. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I can see why she's in a bind. Mm-hmm. Because if his main beef really is the fact that Gary killed Rick the Chin, mm-hmm. then he ain't going to be all that chuffed to hear that his wife was involved in a murder of her own. Yeah. Even then, a justified one. Sort and, of. and then blamed Jason's dad, who was conveniently dead right. for the whole thing. Right. Yeah. So she can't tell him that. No. And that's the whole thing. If it weren't for that, and this is the, the thing that I kind of feel like is the one thing about Sarah that I don't agree with. It's like, it's that one thing. It's the the only reason why she's not going to the police isn't because she cares about Gary. Isn't because she still has feelings for Gary. It's because she's covering her own ass when it comes to the whole Callum thing. Well, I think there's still a slight bit of doing it for Gary. No, I, I think it's... it. I think uh, it's it's because it's not because she has feelings for Gary. It's because Gary, quote unquote, saved her family's life by killing Rick the Chin and and all of that Mm. stuff. I think all of it is because when Gary says he still loves her, she doesn't say I still love you back. She she seems kind of miffed and doesn't want to hear it. No. I think Gary's feelings are stronger than Sarah's feelings. I think Sarah genuinely has moved on and loves Adam over over Gary any day of the week, which is the right decision. Back at the bistro, Gary is happy for everyone turning up for him and his missus. It's been a complicated journey. He's not easy to live with, but she's been amazing. And she agrees that, yes, she is amazing and and, and also thick. (laughs) 
Everyone's left and now Maria's a bit pissed that Gary was late. He says he was arranging their honeymoon, a nice wee place that his mate runs in Cheshire. And she's Ooh. made up and they don't hug because two metres. Right. <laughs> Outside, Emma and Kirk have arranged the car and luggage for their getaway. Sarah from her window first looks at Gary and then looks at Adam, tears and snotters dribbling down her face. Right. Poor Sarah. Yeah, and she doesn't tear up until she looks at Adam. Again, she... It's not Gary she loves. You know, she's, mm. she looks out the window at Gary kind of glaringly and kind of like, this is the reason why my life has gone to shit, and yet you're happy. And then she looks at Adam and starts crying. On Wednesday, Paul and Alina are gossiping in the break room. Both of them seem to think that Gary is hot. And then Paul reveals that Gemma is sure she saw Adam move his stuff out at number eight, meaning Sarah's now a free agent. Then Carla and Sarah come in, and Sarah is, clean, is keen to clean the, the air. Carla wants a good chat first. Ignore them, she says. She thinks Sarah and Adam are good together. Sarah admits that she loves him, but he's made his choice. And a Barlow boy is worth fighting for. Apparently so. Mm. Well, two of them are. Carla thinks that she and Peter have been through a thousand times worse, whatever that is. And uh, Adam loves her, she insists. And Sarah's like, I don't think you've been through <laughs> You haven't killed anyone. That we can immediately remember or, of. Or, or separately. Oh, well, Peter Peter did try to kill Billy. Yeah. So, it's attempted murder, but everybody knows about that. That's That hasn't been swept under the rug. No, everybody knows about that, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like the whole Callum thing where... It's still Only a secret. Few, yeah. <laughs> Sarah meets Adam in the bistro. He's glad to see her uh, and asks what she's doing tomorrow. Nothing much, she says, just work. And he thinks that's great as it means that he can get into the house to collect his stuff. She thinks this is too fast, but he has a key and can be in and out without her noticing, so to speak. But not like that. On Friday, Sarah gets home to find Adam black bagging himself and throwing out some old stuff, including a shirt that she bought for him on their honeymoon. She starts to give him a hard time for giving up on him so soon, and then he's quick to point out that this can all be resolved if she stops sticking up for Gary, but she doesn't respond and goes upstairs. Then, for some reason, Adam has gone round to Daniels to cheer himself up. Adam wants a wingman, but Daniels is expecting someone and advises Adam to save his marriage. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. What do you think? Splitsville? It seems... Kind of quick for them to be pulling Adam and Sarah apart. If you're going to split them up this soon. Yeah. What's, what was the point of the kind putting of, them together? Historically speaking, they, they kind of... Something happens on the wedding day that they've got married and then something happens and then they realise that they don't want to be married immediately. Right. I'm thinking at least one of Steve's weddings. <laughs> But if it doesn't happen immediately... Or somebody they, shoots somebody before they say their vows and then the winning is over. If they get through the first day, they typically get through the first year, I think. Right. So this does seem a bit premature. Yeah. When did they get back from honeymoon? It feels like it was only like a couple it, of months ago. Yeah, it was... It wasn't that long ago. It was summer. Right. And, you know, and they've been staying at, at uh, David's house while they wait for their... Their new flat to be done, apparently. Uh-huh. <sighs> uh, but something's going to have to change 
to get Adam to forget about this, and I don't know what that is. Sarah's going to have to put, spill the beans. Which she's not going to do. You shouldn't have spilled your beans. <laughs> Sorry, lighthouse callback. Um, <laughs> but... Um, oh, a fucking image again. <laughs> Passing masturbating on a rock. <sighs> Rubbing in mermaid's boobs. Made out of scrimshaw. Anyway. No. <laughs> no, not talking about that again. <coughs> oh, dear. <coughs> Haven't seen much in the way of movies this week. Have we? No. Oh, we watched Matchstick Men. That's the only movie we watched this week. Matchstick Men. The one where uh, Nicolas Cage has oh, God. OCD. And he and Sam Rockwell are con artists. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't great. It. I remember liking that movie a lot more when it first came out. The end was a bit predictable. Yeah. And by a bit, I mean incredibly. Yeah, you figured it out well, well before lots of people did in the movie theaters. Oh. It's really sad, though, when he goes... I'm not going to spoil it. <laughs> you feel for Nicolas Cage. I didn't. <laughs> <coughs> Remember when we went to see his grave? Of what will be his grave. Yes. Yeah. That He's pyramid. getting fleeced left, right and centre by people. It's just... You almost feel like you should... Like somebody should say social something. services involved in this because he has just been taking for apparently a ride. he's had to sell that uh, tyrannosaurus skull that he had because he needed the money. Most just, of the movies he's made in the past decade is because he's needed the money. I don't think he's ever turned anything down in the last fifteen years. <laughs> and some of it's been good, and some of it's been shite. We love the National Treasure movies. Yeah, they're good. They should make another one. They always threaten that they're making it. Yeah, they've got a script. Yeah, I think they're about ready to. They were about ready to do it, and then coronavirus. Right. Oh well. Anyway, old back to coronation. Old horse face will be ready and willing to sign on the dotted line. I'm sure when it's ready. The oh, next storyline today. I thought. I thought. I thought. Uh, what's her name? Was old horse face not Nicholas Cage? What's her name? Oh no, she looks like a foot. Never mind. Yeah. She looks like a foot. <laughs> It's the only bit of family guy that I've ever laughed at, I think, when he's talking about Sarah Jessica Parker. She looks like a foot. And she does look like a foot. <laughs> see, we still go on tangents. <laughs> that, see, that, that now feels like that was a deliberate... Like we did it on purpose, which we didn't. Tim's fucking dad. On Fuck Monday, him. Tim comes home. He's been speaking to Faye, who has reported that Tim's dad has said stuff to upset Sally. What was it? Sally has been down this road before. She'll say what you said. He'll define. He'll defend Tim's dad and make excuses, and they'll end up arguing again. This is tearing them apart. When was the last time they had a laugh? She's not sorry for returning the money for reasons already explained, and Tim agrees and asks what Tim's dad said. It's really. I, I was very happy with this because it seemed. It, Maybe it was a conversation with Faye, or maybe it was just sitting down and and thinking about things. But I'm I'm happy that Tim has calmed down, and seems to still be in love with Sally. That makes me happy. Sally explains, saying that if Tim had to choose between Tim's dad and Sally, it would be Tim's dad for the win. 
Faye heard every word, and when the gloves are off, he's a nasty piece of shit. Tim recognises this, but he still can't just abandon his own dad. Sally says, Tim's dad is a drowning man who's going to drag Tim down with him. This is your life, Tim, she says. He has to do what's right for him. So later we see Tim packing the car. What's this going on? asks Tim's dad. A moonlight flit? Tim explains that he and Sally are off to Gina's for a few days. He asks Tim's dad about the words he had with Sally earlier, but Tim's dad plays it down and tries to blame Sally. Come on, son. I've always been your hero. Nothing's changed. Tim isn't impressed, (laughs) and he and Sally jump in the car and drive off. Yes. Fuck you, Tim's dad. In the ear. Yeah. Fuck him in the ear. Yeah. This this seems to really unsettle him that it seems like Tim is taking Sally's side. Absolutely. Yeah. He's getting away when Tim's dad kind of needs him. Right. As the only person that's supporting him. Right. And the fact that he says that out loud, that he acknowledges that nobody on the street likes him or is supporting him, which I guess isn't necessarily true because apparently Tyrone and Fizz are still in his corner. (sighs) But... Team Tim's dad. Yeah. But it, it certainly has to make Tim think nobody likes his dad and and yet he's always seen his dad as this jovial guy that everybody likes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that kind of i mean we've always hated him but there was that a long time when he was the hospital radio dj and ugh, amateur magician mm-hmm. <clears throat> we did he did have the um the will of the people behind him <sighs> Or at least people, people were entertained. Them. People were entertained and tolerated him. I still, it it still doesn't feel like he had any close friends, like anybody willingly hung out with him, except for maybe Brian. But the only reason really Brian hung out with him is because Kathy and Yasmin are friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, and he was a shit to Brian. Yep, the whole broad. He's a scandal. shit to everyone, yep. and then he wonders why people don't like him. It just it does feel though that there's been a little shift in public opinion. Mm-hmm where everyone is now more or less in agreement that he's a shitbag and right. and Yasmina definitely should have helped him harder. Right. But, Finish the job, Yasmin. Mm-hmm. So now he, being all about control again, has no idea what the conversation's going to be in this car. Right. What the conversations are going to be once they get to Gina's. Right. He what has Gina no might control. say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he has no control over any of that. It feels like we're not going to get to see Gina. Which no. is a shame. I'd quite like to see Gina again. Yeah. But yeah. It's it's falling, crumbling under his feet. Yes. And that was Love it. Faye, Love it. Faye going down the stairs right. has really paid dividends. Yes. And then Faye actually talking to her dad about what she's seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we predicted this. We said, you know, if if Faye is no longer in his court, that's gonna be the thing that's gonna make Tim really turn around yep our next storyline today is the quad vlog on monday bernie comes home and wastes no time telling Gemma that she told vanessa to get to fuck Gemma is outraged she's worried about vanessa and insists that she's changed but bernie isn't buying it the minute she gets a new one Gemma will be dropped like a sack of spuds and Gemma reminds bernie that she's got the benefit of the doubt more times than she cares to remember it's just true and she storms out to meet her mate so vanessa turns up at the community garden after Gemma sent her a text Vanessa wasn't sure, but Gemma insists that Bernie is the last person who should be uh, doing anyone. 
Doubting. <laughs> the verb to do, apparently. <laughs> Gemma gets a text to let her know that she's missed out on a bid for some PJ and Duncan tart that she wanted to get Paul for his birthday next week. And Vanessa thinks that she might be able to help with that regard. Mm. Back home, Bernie is telling a story to Ches about a woman with a cockroach in her ear. In comes Ugh. Gemma, who says that she didn't meet Vanessa. But Gemma has an idea of setting up a mama and baby group uh, online to counter all this virus shit. Bernie isn't falling for it. She has enough on her plate and Gemma thinks it's important that people know that everyone struggles. Bernie admits that Gemma is too giving, just like her. And <laughs> Gemma and Ches look at each other as if to say what they actual. Mm-hmm. Bernie thinks this could set Gemma back. So on Wednesday, Paul and Billy are walking down the street chatting about Paul's upcoming 30th birthday. Billy's got a plan for playing a new board game, Trivia Brain. Something Ooh. that really tests the old grey matter. And Paul <laughs> could not be less interested and seems far more interested in seeing what Gemma's got planned. When twenties get together, he says, then he wanders off allowing Billy to take a call from someone, presumably Gemma, and confirm that the chicken is in the coop or something. Mm-hmm. So Gemma has set up the mums and babies group so very quickly and her, uh, talking about shitting habits of her offspring seems to have proved to be a hoot with the mums. After the hang-up, Vanessa gives Gemma compliments and then reveals that she has news about Paul's birthday. So Gemma is sitting at the cock and chip sign when Paul happens by. She's polished off a battered sausage in record time. You're telling me that that's coincidence then? That that fish that looks like a penis and Gemma talking about polishing off a battered sausage in record time is not in some way linked you have a very dirty mind, sir. The dirty <laughs> mind of a 10-year-old. What is wrong with you? It's in plain sight. What is wrong with you? A woman can't eat a sausage. It's one thing to eat it. It's another thing to polish it off in record time. There might as well have been... This scene might as well have been acted out by puppet cock and balls. No. It might as well have. No. She thinks it feels very pre-pandemic and isn't sure. Oh no. Paul invites Gemma over to his for a karaoke with him in summer to celebrate their 30th. She thinks it feels very pre-pandemic and isn't sure. She'd rather be with her babies. He does his best to talk her into it, but she doesn't feel like celebrating. They're going to be 30 after all, and Paul reacts to this news like a gremlin to water. 30. What I wouldn't give to be... Well, the end of my 30s were good. What was I doing when I was 30? I moved house, I think, when I was 30. You were still in Scotland? Yep. I was still married to John. Yep. You were still married. It's Julie. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Julie. Who doesn't listen to this? <laughs> Not a chance she listens to this. <laughs> oh, dear. Although somebody who knows her might. <laughs> I've, I've been having brain farts all over the place with people's names and the names of things and stuff. It's the pandemic, I think. Because you've had this problem, too. Not, not really with names, just I, I, I can I can do something and immediately forget that I've done it. Right. And I think it is basically 
stress and yeah anxiety anxiety about the end of the world anyway Uh, so on Friday Bernie and Cathy are outside the kebab shop playing the I went to market game when Paul happens along he's concerned about Gemma and is worried that she might be depressed again I don't know why he thinks that because she seemed fine the previous day is this a time jump thing no no, he thinks that because she was saying that she doesn't want to celebrate her oh, birthday. Oh, right, okay. He wonders if he should get her to the doctor, but Bernie and Cathy think that they should speak to the doctor first. Oh, well, they should, no, they should speak to Gemma first. Gemma first. Yeah, not to the doctor. No, that would be illogical. No. Bernie and Cathy are at Gemma's. Thank Bernie you, is worried about Gemma, but Gemma be- was being weird about the surprise birthday party, not about Vanessa. She's got t-shirt planned, she's got a throne, and has a twin-related playlist that just features the cheeky girls. Cathy was impressed that Gemma was able to throw Paul off the scent. Because she couldn't think of any other famous twins. Right. Which is hilarious. The Proclaimers and... The Osmonds. They're not twins. Aren't they? they? There's hundreds of them, isn't there? No, but the the two famous ones. Donnie and Marie. I think they're twins. Then she's forced to scale it back when no one has the money to pay for it. That was a bit of a shame. Right, yeah. She's like, she's like planned all this. Apparently Billy is in on it. So you'd think Billy would be throwing some money into this, which he's, which it seems like he's not. It seems like Gemma hasn't even asked him, which is weird. But she's like trying to get money off of Kathy and her mum, which her mum never has money. No. It's weird. And if she does have money, do you know where it is? <laughs> Upper ass. It's in her bra. <laughs> Isn't it? She always reaches into her bra to get money. <laughs> Not during COVID though, because nobody, nobody wants to touch money that has been that close to a human body. Right. Nobody really wants money at all. They want cards. Plus, there's a coin shortage. Is there a coin shortage in the UK as well? Couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Coin shortages. Who knew? Yeah, because it's not moving around. It's right. Nobody's spending it's it. It's not moving around. Plus, you know, they shut it down. They weren't making anymore for a few months. That's why there's still a shortage of some foods, because they shut it down for a couple of months and right. stuff. That Ben Shepherd blanket thing is still a thing. <laughs> on Monday, Mary meets Sean on the street, finding it hard to imagine why he would be out when he could be snuggled up with Ben Shepherd. She suggests they meet up later to play Jenga, but Sean is more used to living in the fast lane. Really? Mary mm. says the two of them are simpatico and that if she was a man, they'd be married. And Sean looks terrified. Well, he looks terrified, but he also looks thoughtful because all of a sudden he starts to actually be nice to her. This yeah, because he's been a bit of a shit to he's her been, last he's, week. He's been a shit to her and now all of a sudden he's like, yes, we're besties and we'll do things together. And is nice to her. So I think, I think he was moved by that a little, at least a little bit because... Let's be honest. There isn't a line out the door to marry Sean no. of people who actually are men. No. On Wednesday, Sean, who doesn't seem to like Mary all that much, is at the florist chat with Mary, who is blabbering on about some Icelandic pen pal as she goes through her mail. She says that Eileen asked her to look out for some bank statements and whatnot, and then comes across the rarest of all things, a handwritten envelope, and Mary opens it and reveals it's from Todd. He's asking for money. <laughs> Sean wants to concoct 
Sean wants to contact Eileen, but Mary thinks this is well dodgy and maybe they should hang off for a day or two. A thousand pounds isn't nothing. She thinks they should proceed with extreme caution. Neither of them have a clue what to do, but Sean thinks he might know a man who does. And that man is Billy, for some reason, who has no idea what to suggest other than telling Eileen. Which... Well, because he has a relationship with the family and also because he's he's a vicar and people tend to historically go to their vicar or their pastor for advice for life things, or they used to. Sean calls up Plan B and and would prefer to pretend to be Eileen and text back to make sure his intentions are pure or something. I don't know, I'm a bit confused. Mary thinks this is like an Agatha Christie, and while she's twittering on, Sean has sent a text asking where he wants to meet. Todd texts back, talking about a dead drop, which signals that the only thing Todd cares about is the money, not Eileen. money. Sean and Mary have a bag of fake cash set up and Billy has dropped it at the designated spot, which I think is the same spot that uh, Jim McDonald and that ghastly woman. Yeah. I think it was at the same, yeah. same point. Billy spot. isn't enjoying being part of this, but Sean insists that Billy is as curious as anyone to see Todd show up. What with Billy and Todd knocking boots back in the day. On Friday, Mary and Billy are staking out the community garden waiting for Todd. Mary... Uh, berates a little out and then Sean leaves his post in the community garden to go for a pee Billy is doing a Cosmo quiz now and when Sean finally comes back it seems that he's done at least part of a shift at the Rovers oh well not to worry says Billy because Mary has had her eyes in the community garden the whole time Mary's eyes though are behind sunglasses and she's been asleep for god knows how long that was pretty funny, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> because Sean recognises it right away he's like she's asleep <laughs> They all rush over to the community Oh, and garden. also apparently Sean has clogged the toilet at the uh, at the kebab shop. Claims it was like that when he got there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. They all rush over to the community garden to find a young woman retrieving the fake money. She pleads innocence. She's never heard of Todd. And then Sean calls Todd's number and the girl's phone rings. She found the phone near the canal, she says, uh, along with some other stuff and then wrote the letter. Billy wants to go to the spot where she found it, but the girl does a runner and escapes. Since Sean, Billy and uh, Mary have reconvened at the Rovers, wondering why Todd would dump his stuff next to the canal. Billy then explains that he doesn't want Paul to catch wind of this as it might make him jealous for no reason when Todd isn't about to show up anytime soon. Which means that you can guarantee that Todd is going to show up sometime soon. Yes. Which we already know because he's already been cast. Right. Which kind of ruins this whole storyline, doesn't it? A wee bit? Yeah, that's why I I think we should stay away from new cast member alert and stuff. Mm. It does kind of give the game away a little bit. Mm. But when the core news is so thin in the ground, <laughs> yeah. what's a girl to do? Yeah, I quite enjoyed this. This was... Uh, Sean wasn't nearly as annoying as he tends to be. No. And Mary falling asleep was pretty funny. Yeah, I love that. Billy kind of seemed like the... Third, Third wheel, yes. Little, didn't he? yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I think poor Billy is kind of just spread really thin in all of this because he's also in the other storyline with with the Gemma and Paul's birthday. Mm-hmm. So, do you think do you think he's right in keeping all of this from Paul? Uh, no, no, of course not. No, but. It's obviously the, the the go-to path is obviously that, is to, yeah. is to keep the secret. 
I love that they're continuing Kathy and uh, Bernie's friendship here this week. Yeah. I like that they are still chums now. And plus, kind of dog and work a little bit. <laughs> hanging about outside playing travel games, really. <laughs> I went to the picnic and I bought avocado and beetroot and whatever it was. And right. All that sort of stuff. And Bernie and seemed to have a hard time remembering things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk now about Weatherfield Cycle. On Wednesday, Daniel and Adam were chatting in the bistro about life, love, and not being married to Sarah anymore. <laughs> and then Daniel borrows some cash off of Adam. Later, Daniel is on the phone to Nikki. He has so much to tell her about a child that she doesn't know and progression she has no interest in. He wants to meet up in an hour, but she lies and says that she's not available because who wouldn't? Then, for some reason, she suggests that she meets him at his place at five o'clock. Perfect, he says, and he goes off to lay out she uh, needs best outfits on the bed and spray them with her hair oil and perfume. Cool. On Friday, Daniel has been cooking all day when Nikki arrives. She assumes that he's cooking for someone else, but he tells her that he's cooking for them. It might be nice, he thought. He misses having someone to cook for and then tells her that the cardigan is on the chair. It's in the it one puts, breath. It puts the lotion on the skin. And it, uh, Elsa gets the hose again. That's exactly how that was delivered. But it was delivered in the, in the same breath as, oh, it's a, you know, I, I miss have, not having anyone to cook for. By the way, the cardigan's on the, on the chair over there. It's creepy. And I like that you, Nikki seems to acknowledge in her head that this is creepy and she doesn't want to do this anymore. And yet he keeps annoying her. And hassling her into doing it. I think Nikki at this point <laughs> is thinking, there's a very real chance that he's going to kill me. Right. I'm in... I'm in danger. Immediate danger. You in danger, girl. <laughs> uh, the cardigan's over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't forget to spray it with this, with this beard oil. <laughs> Where the cardigan, he says. Mm-hmm. Always be wearing the cardigan. Mm-hmm. It puts the lotion on the skin. Also gets the hose again. <sighs> put, put, you know, you put know, the dog in the bucket. You know the whole celeb jacker guy on Twitter. Yeah, he should do uh, one of those with Daniel and Buffalo Bill. Yeah, but not that one. <laughs> not the tuck scene. Not no no no. Not, not the tuck scene. No really. No. <laughs> Can you imagine Daniel's face on that? No. Uh, so she puts it on and then vomits in her mouth a little bit later Daniel is boring Nikki to death about Adam's predicament Nikki has to leave she's got two buses to catch to actually get her hold of someone he offers to pay her double but it's not enough she says that she's booked up for the rest of the week and offers another sex worker's number he says he'll wait until she's free and she rolls her eyes takes off the manky cardigan and leaves yeah he he seems to forget that she has to make a living. Mm-hmm. He's not her only client. And like to say, well, no, just cancel that guy and just stay with me longer. It's just he's still so self-centered and self everything. There's just been no growth in this character at all since Sinead died and probably even before then. So it just... <sighs> It's getting a little boring. Creepy, but boring. Mm-hmm. 
that there's just no growth in this character and it's it's all just the same old song over and over again i don't think that we've i think it's fair to say that i don't think that we've been daniel's biggest fans <laughs> over the over the spell and i think that there's a world record for boring moment of the week and <laughs> it, it might be it might be his to lose let's put it that way <laughs> but yeah it's there's something about it when you know as i've said before about positively when mm. tim's dad scene comes on and you think, oh, good, we're back in the tim's dad storyline now uh-huh. i'm going to enjoy this well not really well i do i, I thought the tim's dad stuff's been excellent the past few weeks right yeah but then we love to hate him and we acknowledge that he's a really good that that the acting is really good and, it's a good story and everything and, and it's, it's a good storyline yeah because we don't know what's going to happen from week to week and daniel pops up and you're like oh. Oh, more creepy <sighs> daniel right who still can't grieve properly for his wife and will kill that poor poor sex worker yeah uh, you're right because even though we we hate tim's dad for good reason you know there there has been growth in all of the characters in that storyline even tim's dad has changed over time yeah. and reacts to things differently when other people react differently to him and and there's change he's horrible all the time but he's always horrible in ways that are different and surprise us you know and we're not quite sure what's going to happen yeah there's always the week. he 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 hits a new law right and you think it can't get any worse than this and then it does right or he hits so, a new low and Tim reacts differently this week than he did last week. And so Tim's dad reacts differently to Tim than he did last week. Mm-hmm. You know. Good. It's good. Yeah. It's Daniel stuff, not so much. And I feel for, I feel for, I feel for the actor because this can't be what he signed up for. You know. In fact, he is, I, I think he is, he has said that in, in, um in interviews that going into the character he had different ideas you know for how it was going to go he thought he'd be kind of more of a lothario the way the way that ken was right. as a young man and that didn't really happen oh. uh, anyway that was our penultimate storyline hmm. that was creepy as fuck <laughs> our final storyline today is the twins down under Oh. On Monday, Abby is on the phone to the social apologising for the last time and wanting to see the anonymous twins again before they go. And the social seem to indicate that this is fine. Mm-hmm. This, is fine. this is fine. So on Wednesday, Seb is chatting to Kev about the twins, admitting that he didn't uh, see them that often or at all, really. But it'll be weird not being able to. He also touches on one of my peeves about this, uh, that life in Australia is assumed to be better because it doesn't rain quite so much. But they have shit chocolate. They do. <laughs> Kev thinks Abby is taking this quite hard and Seb seems to agree but insists that she needs to show up. Along comes Abby who guesses that they're talking about her. Seb suggests that they meet outside his place and then sticks in the boot saying that she's not the most reliable person in the world. Kev offers to walk her over but she doesn't take too kindly to this. She's capable of fulfilling her promise, she says. And immediately your kind of suspicions go up that why are we meeting outside his place? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we... Meeting in front of the garage. Or whatever, so. 
Yeah. So Tyrone comes out of Roy's roles, announcing to Nina that he has a day off and the house to himself. And Nina seems to think this means he'll be wandering around the house in the scuddy. Doesn't is, everybody is, walk around the house in the scuddy when they're on their own? Has, has, has Tyrone been leaving the, sh- the blinds open again? Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like Nina has some sort of knowledge of Tyrone walking around the house in the nude. <laughs> no, because it's like it's never occurred to him. That you wouldn't even think about doing that, but Nina apparently thinks this is <laughs> perfectly reasonable to do when you're in the house. Mm. In the house on your own. Later, Kev wants to make sure Abby's okay with meeting her anonymous <coughs> twins. <coughs> Abby's fixing a ninja and insists that she's just lucky that she's been given this chance. Kev gets a breakdown call and wants to stay with Abby and get Ty to pick it up, but Abby reminds Kev that Ty is on PTO. Go fix it and leave me uh, to get wired into those chalky, bis- chalky bickies. Uh-huh. So Kev has a uh, trial with Jack's new coach, so leaves and says he won't be back for a bit after he's done with this breakdown thing. And then shuts the door so that nobody bothers her while she's working. Yeah, it seemed a bit strange. Even though the garage is still technically open. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said to myself, self, something bad is going to happen to Abby. Right. Abby is quite pleased as Kev shuts up the garage and no sooner has he left, literally no sooner has he left, mm-hmm. than the engine that Abby has been working on falls over on top of her, trapping her arm. She shouts for help, but there's no one there to hear her screams. Just because like, she has also turned up the radio just, like just alien. then. Just like Alien. She's t- <laughs> the doors are shut and she has just turned up the radio. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. Something bad is going to happen to Abby. And it did. Meanwhile, Wet Weekend Seb is chatting with Alina outside his flat. He has chocolate bars for the twins. Impressive, says Alina. He complains that Abby is late and is about to head down to the garage when Alina says it's all locked up. Seb calls Abby, but her phone has somehow fallen just out of reach. Hey Siri, answer the phone. Maybe she doesn't have that set up. Later. Because you just said that and my phone didn't answer. Well, it's not ringing. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Yeah, nothing. Alexa? <laughs> hey, Google. We <laughs> want to do that for months. <laughs> Later, Peter is banging on Tyrone's door, but not like that. And Ty answers in his house coat. Yes, yeah, he has been in the nude. Oh, no, he's been taking a bath with a lemon balm. Peter complains that his keys are locked in the garage and his taxi is ready to go and he needs them keys and the garage is locked up and what's that fucking smell? It's patchouli and vanilla bath bomb, says Ty. A game changer. Ty, Ty gives Peter the keys to the garage and asks that Peter post them back when he's done. So Peter goes round to the garage and finds Abby under the engine. He immediately gets on the phone for an ambulance as she mumbles about seeing her anonymous twins. And also the door is not locked. He gets over there and just pulls it open. Right. Which anybody could have done. Right. Aye. So Abby's loaded into the ambulance on Friday, still going on about saying goodbye to the twins. Tyrone sees what's going on and goes off to get Kev while Peter rides in the ambulance with Abby. Timbot4000 says this does not compute. You're welcome, Christy. Apparently, we didn't we didn't get it because we watched it on the BritBox. Well, what happened to my voice? I don't know, but <clears> I like it. <laughs> Yeah, when you watch it on ITV, mm. as I did last week... There was a notice saying some of these scenes were filmed pre-COVID. Right. <coughs> and we have to assume that that's what they mean. And I couldn't spot it last week. I didn't 
a hand last week as well that came up with the, the notice to tell you. Uh-huh. And that notice doesn't appear on BritBox. So if you're only watching this on BritBox, you'd be none the wiser. Right. But it was obvious this week that this was a scene that was clearly, must have been filmed, I say clearly. If, if you're in the know, even th- this is what that this is what they're talking about. Even even before COVID, is it is it typical that people who you're not related to, who have no wherewithal as far as your deci- the decisions for your well being, are concerned medically, ride with you in an ambulance? I think it's typical that somebody that's your friend would be sitting there to keep you company. And I have Peter and Abby have had their hold of each other. This is true. I've the the few times that I have had to be taken somewhere in an ambulance I did not have I did not have any friend or family riding with me. It was just the paramedics. Well, that's a wee shame. Hmm. So Tyrone There's not an awful lot of room back there. No. And you don't get in people's way. Right, exactly. Tyrone gets a hold of Kevin and they're about to head to the hospital when everyone's favourite shit on the end of their nose, Seb, shows up, disowning Abby forever for letting the anonymous twins down again. And Kev's like, there's been an accident. Now go get your haircut. <laughs> Later, Seb and Kev are with Abby in the hospital. She's out for the count, but then comes round and Seb informs her that the twins have now gone. Abby does not react well to this new information. No, she does not. So later on, Abby is taking some joy from the fact that Seb got to see the twins and tells Kev to go and be there for Jack. It's all about being with your family now. Mm-hmm. And Kev agrees. Then Abby looks more upset than she was letting on. Seb tells Abby that he'd always assumed that she didn't want to see the twins because she wanted an easy life, but now he knows that she wanted a better life for them, which obviously she did blah, 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 because right. Australia's so great. Right, yeah, and he's seen the house that they're moving into, and they have a swimming pool and a everything A massive else. garden. Yes, because that's all one needs for happiness. And then comes away with a line, sometimes love isn't enough. Eh. I don't know, do I agree with that sentiment? Ah. Uh, it's kind of saying really? that the twins wouldn't have been happy not in Australia. Or but with, with a swimming pool. But with Abby, who couldn't give them all this. Right. And all she could give them was her love. Right. On the assumption that she could handle it and right. you know, she wasn't going off in the deep end again. Is That's, that true? I don't I don't I don't necessarily think so. I think not having means puts stress on love. But there's mm-hmm. lots of people out there who are poor, who love one another, and have successful marriages. In fact, it seems like a lot of people who have lots and lots of money do not have successful marriages. Oh, if my wee Irish boy would be all the murders is anything to go by. Yeah, it's people with lots of money. That and lots of insurance policies and stuff. That right, yeah, those are the ones who off. kill their spouses. You know, and there's um, there's statistical information that backs that up because people who spend more money on their weddings tend to divorce faster than people who spend less money on their weddings. Right. So, yeah, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that, you know, and agree with them wanting, her wanting them to have a better life was all about a nice big house and a pool. As opposed to parents that love them that are not addicted to drugs. Right. <laughs> right. Sometimes heroin isn't enough. But then I, 
But then again, all of this is coming from Simon, not Simon, Sebastian, Seb. Seb, his name is Seb. Yeah. Sebastian, isn't it? Well, it's short for Sebastian. Right, yeah. But Simon hasn't just wandered into <laughs> no. to impart this advice and then fuck off again. See, I told you, names are really bad for me right now. I don't know why, but Seb is still quite young. He's 18, 19 now? Yeah, he's still quite young, so I kind of want to give him a pass for not really having the life experience to recognize that. On the other hand, I think our 11-year-old recognizes that, (laughs) you know, material goods does not equal love. So Abby tells Seb that she's tired and wants a kip, so sends him on his way. He gives her a present from the twins and then leaves. And it's a goodbye card that says, see you later, mummy. Mummy Abby. See you later, mummy Abby. She cries as a doctor comes in. Because apparently Australians (laughs) never say goodbye. They just say, see you later. See you later. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> in the 10 days that I was in Australia... I, Did anyone I, say goodbye to I, you? I can't say that I noticed when, one way or the other. When you left your relatives in Australia, did you say goodbye to them? And did they say goodbye to you? I can't remember. Or did they say, see you later? I can't remember. This was... 90... People all over the world say, three? see you later. It's not like, it's not like aloha or something. No. That if I said aloha to you... Instead of goodbye or hello, it would be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. Uh, so she needs something to take the pain away. The doctor quickly leaves to attend to another emergency in the other room, giving Abby time to pilfer from the unattended meds cart. She grabs some morphine, but is seen by Peter. He tells her to put it back just as Kev arrives. How's the patient? asks Kev. Hanging in there, says Abby. And that is how we end this week's episodes. Oh, what's she going to do with that? Peter's the one who caught her with the morphine. Good job, Abby, grabbing the morphine. Morphine's great. (laughs) That's what I would grab. Yep. It's just... I I, don't want this to go down this path again. No. And I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Also, I'm sorry. This would not happen. Because the doctor or the nurse doesn't drive in the whole cart of all the medications that they have into your room and leave it unlocked. They have to go to a special cabinet. They have to log in, they have to log in their password to get into that cabinet. They can only take out the and the the machine gives them the dosage. You don't even really touch much of anything anymore. And then you bring it to the patient. So an open an open cart with morphine just sitting there is very unrealistic. I, c- I can't remember one way or the other if this was a thing in the UK or not. I don't know. I would imagine even in the UK now, you can't. they're not just rolling in carts with unlocked morphine and other drugs within it. I'm trying to remember one, my mum's chemo. I seem to think that her wristband got scanned and then the bag of whatever it was got scanned right yeah because far Plat- too platinum be- something or other because people keep people kept stealing drugs from hospitals right you know so you, you kind of had to do that because people are much more addicted to prescription drugs than they used to be 
I... I don't want it to go down this route. I, no, I really don't. I don't... I didn't find it... You know, I didn't find that part of it hugely realistic. Peter has caught her already, so she's not going to be able to take that morphine. No. So, it's not going to go down this route. I am sad for Abby. I'm glad she didn't die. I'm glad that that thing only fell on her arm. Because if it had angled just a little bit further in, she would be dead. If that had fallen on her chest or her head, we would not have an Abby anymore. And it's ironic. It's probably not ironic. Hmm. It's Don't something that Abby, who is always the person to come to everyone's rescue, is the person that needs rescued here. And <laughs> nobody comes for a while. Yeah, that's true. Because if it wasn't for Peter... <laughs> And these stupid taxi, she'd still be there. His stupid keys. The only thing that I had, just a, a minor complaint about it was that, you know when things like Shrek and that came out mm-hmm. back in the day in Toy Story and they were all beautifully animated, but the one thing that you could tell just by watching it was that nothing had any weight. Mm-hmm. So when people jumped and landed, it mm-hmm. kind of never really sat realistically. I think they've right. sorted it out yeah. now and it's it, it has now. a bit of heft. But yeah. That engine didn't look all that heavy. It looked heavy enough. You think I thought it looked like it? It, it, you know, <clears throat> it looked like she was genuinely pinned. It wasn't like one of those boulders made out of styrofoam <laughs> in, uh, in you know, the Star Trek: The Original Series. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it seemed to have hefted enough. It didn't look big enough to be a car engine. They are heavy. They are very heavy. And like I said, a, a slightly different angle. And she had that surgery on it. That would have, yeah. They had to actually operate on it. Surgically remove the engine from her. <laughs> Give me a 10 wrench. Yeah. Uh, and on the one hand, I think it was nice to see, oh, it was good to see Sally Cartman... Sally Carmen? Sally Carmen. Yeah, Cartman is a completely different... Let me me do that again. On the one hand, it was nice to see Abby getting a bit of an emotion scene to do with the... See you later, Mummy Abby. But overall, I think I just feel a little bit of relief that that's the twins gone now. Yes, me too. that's done. Me too. Because it gave Seb far too many excuses for being... Uh, I'm glad a, a that he's. I'm glad that he's finally recognized that his mom made the right decision. I'm but glad he's, that. But he's, he's come at it from a com- the completely wrong angle. I don't care. I'm just glad that he finally recognizes it. I am. I am shocked. Shocked, I tell you. That nobody thought to call Seb on his phone. When they found her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That, that, you know, he's just right up the street. And yet it's Peter who rides in the ambulance. And Tyrone runs out to find Kev. Nobody thinks to dial Seb's number and say, you know, your mom's had an accident and is being rushed to the hospital. It's frustrating that he walks, that he doesn't walk over until the ambulance is gone. So he never sees the ambulance. But that's so that he can have this 
one final scene where he's slagging off his mom mm-hmm. and then feels like a shit because his mom was genuinely in an accident and right. genuinely couldn't be there. I hate that so many things had to happen for this scene to happen and that we had to watch every single thing. Kev had to leave. Tyrone had to be off of work for the day. And then the scud. Kev had to shut the doors to the garage. Abby had to turn up the radio really loud. Her phone had to be not within arm's reach. Hey, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's just... Peter had to have his... Right. I... Taxi and getting fixed. It's it's when some when you're watching the show and so many things are obviously being set up for something awful to happen. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes you out of that awful thing to happen, you know, because you're like, oh, you know. And to be fair, this is how I watch horror movies: is I I, I learn about all of the horrible things beforehand so that I don't have to get up and leave the room. But this is not a horror movie. <laughs> this it, is this is a an engine falling like... on her arm. When they start to mention where they're going to meet up, right? Just alarm bells just start. Oh yeah, and for for them to be meeting up in front of Seb's house as opposed to the garage, which if he was meeting her at the garage, he could have opened right. the door and stuck his head in. And right, he would have been there already. And his refusal to go to the garage, right, based on what Alina saw, right. Alina said the door was shut, so that automatically means the garage is closed. I don't necessarily think that would be true too it'd be like it's in the middle of the day why would they shut the garage and it's like a hundred feet down the right. street Go and check you might it. as well at least walk down there right so there's all these things all these things have to happen in mm-hmm. order for it to have the impact and that makes it lose the impact it was a strange way to finish the week as well i thought yeah yeah because we don't because there's been all this build-up about this birthday party and we don't get it well nobody can afford it well, they're still having the party. Are they? Yeah, she's just not doing the thrones in the t-shirt. They're oh. still having the party. Um, I, It kind of felt like we finished in the middle of a conversation. Right, yeah. There's what? so many, there's too many loose threads here, I think. Moment of the week. See you later, mommy. See you later, mommy, Abby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. She was very good in it. She was very good. And it had all the right emotional marks. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's it. Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. <sighs> See, I kind of, I, I, I don't feel like we can he give was important it. This week. I don't think we can give it to Daniel because we both got a kick out of him being so creepy. Right. I wasn't. With the whole, it puts it puts solution on the skin. Um, Billy's board game. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll do. Yes, that's it. Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Right. Shall we wrap this one up then, my dear? Yes, please. If you've ever used more hairspray than is required to melt an iceberg. Why don't you write in and tell us all about it? We are the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, which is also how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or drop a couple of badges into our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
If you have some time and some inclination, you can leave a review and a rating on the iTunes and merch. What's the merch link? <sighs> See, it needs to be something that you can read off, and the the bitly is usually just it's just random. It's just random. You so. can go to the you can go to the the blog, or it'll be on Twitter or something. You can find it. I'll put it in the show notes. Something. We'll work it out. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode, and we will be back next week with more. I'll talk of the street. Talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.